Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Oh, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. And I know I have been silent for since the end of January due to some health issues, and there is no way in heck I could miss today's show because, well, number one, I've missed all of you out there, but number two, I have two guests on my show today. One you've seen me have on the show many, many, many times since the beginning of the show, almost seven years ago. Um, next month, it'll be seven years I've been doing the show. And that's John David Mann. And you know, he's been on the show for every single launch day, but today I have an extra, extra, extra special tweet because his amazing wife, who I've never actually gotten to interview, is on the show with us today, his cohort in crime, his partner in life. As they launch today, I, I feel so honored that John has let me do a launch day of every single one of his books. Um, the Go-Giver Marriage, a little story about the five secrets to lasting love. I don't care if you're married or not. Everybody knows I'm twice divorced or actually twice annulled, according to the Catholic Church. Um, this book is so much more than about marriage. It is a treatise to life and self-love and relationships of all kinds. So I'm going to bring John David Mann and Anna Gabriel Mann onto the show today to talk about this treasure treasure, treasure of a book. And John, before you guys say anything, I want to tell you, this is the first book I did not read all the way through. And here's why. The end of it, you put discussion questions and, you know, interviews with the author. And I never read that stuff before an interview because I don't want to be guided with my questions. So it's the first book I've not read all the way through before the interview, but for good reason. And I will read it later. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but the rest of the book, all the content has been fully read, devoured. I, I have not dog-eared it and post-it noted it like crazy because I just, I don't want to. It's just too, too special. Well, thank you. <laughs> and uh, and welcome, both of you, to the show. Oh, thank day. you so much. Thank you. Yeah, this is it. This is launch day. Book just came out today, yeah. and this is just such a cool cool time to uh to stop in at laura's as we always do when a book launches and it is already an amazon bestseller oh well that's good Whoa. to know i did not know that <laughs> I, did, I didn't know that either we've been you, so busy answering emails and answering posts <laughs> and, and talking to people i haven't paid attention that's that's wonderful yeah, yeah. news thank you very much you're welcome so, i fully expect the book to hit number one um, up there. You're trending in amazing categories. I figured the relationship ones, but you're trending in happiness categories. Yay. We talk about happiness all the time. It's really important. Yeah. You were like number 46 in happiness first thing this morning on launch day. So truly, truly special. And, and I really feel like this book is about happiness. It's not just about relationships. It's really about being, and maybe I'm wrong guys, but you know, what I, what I feel when I read the book is it is about feeling happy in all aspects of you and your relationships. And if you can't feel that, then, um, you really, really need to read the book. <laughs> That's a lovely way of putting it. There's a great summary for you. It is. It is about rich, living a rich life. It isn't about fixing a marriage per se. It's about living a big life. And, and just marriage is such a huge, focal, uh, pivotal relationship in the world of human relationships that we focus on marriage. We wanted to write a book for people who are married, who used to be married and may want to again, uh, or aren't sure if they will again or not. People who are about to get married, people who wonder what it would be like to get married. It's for, you know, people who are breathing, in other words, those, those people. <laughs> All right. So I, so I need to ask this since, you know, the, the two of you are married and you've 
gone through all sorts of things in your relationship. I know that, Anna, you are a massive believer in John and John vice versa, because all the years I've known John, he talks about you constantly with such joy and abandon with his love for you and and his delight in you and your guys' relationship. I don't know the story of how you two met and what created this love that you guys have for each other. I'm so curious about that because I really feel like you guys created love. Well, that's a great way of putting it, but I, I feel like there was magic afoot in a certain way. And, and I would say that for 25 years, people have been asking us what our secret sauce is. Right. You know, saying, okay, what is it? Why are you like newlyweds? Why do you guys love each other so much? Um, and it's really because we approach our relationship with a spirit of generosity and and with real care. And, you know, the Go-Giver, the original Go-Giver is a powerful book that is still spreading around the world. I mean, it's in right. 30 languages. It's sold over a million copies. Bob Berg and Kathy Tajanel you know, are tirelessly out there teaching. And, you know, the, the Pindar principle says that the more you give, the more you have. And there's also a huge body of research that says that people who are givers live longer, have healthier hearts, every cell in their body is touched by their giving, and that they have less depression, just everything about their lives is improved by being people who are generous of spirit and who give. And now we're not talking about financial giving to nonprofits or things like that. This is lovely. We're talking about the generosity of always adding value to somebody else's life. Yeah, I, I want to chime in and say um, th this is really true. Donna said there was magic afoot. I just want to point directly to, to one piece of your question, which is how we met. We met in our 20s uh, at a party. But when mm -hmm. I say met, it's like in, in quotes, because we spied each other across a room at a party. It was like a Tony and Maria moment out of West Side Story. And I thought, man, she is dazzling. And I don't know what she thought. She probably thought, wow, what a geeky guy. I don't know. <laughs> she'll, have to she'll have to tell you the other side. But um, I didn't know her name. We never met. We didn't actually speak a word that night and didn't see each other again for uh, 25 years. So or almost 25 years. So two decades later, we crossed paths at a business conference. We were both involved in the same business. And, now, and we became fast friends. Uh, we became business colleagues. And we forged a really powerful friendship, a meeting of minds, a meeting of personalities. And uh, we were great friends uh, before. There's this great line at the end of Tootsie when Dustin Hoffman finally reveals he's a man. And he says to, to Jessica Lang, you know, we've, the hard part's over. We were already great friends. Yeah. And, and we were. We were. And uh, then when, when the, the spark of romance hit us, like a like a TNT explosion and threatened to engulf us, um, you know we had something really strong to build on. So we we've always held each other in really high regard, and really just really appreciate each other. I didn't know about that twenty five year gap. I had a, a suspicion about that, and what the two of you just said is so powerful because there was some sort of magic, but. There was, I guess you weren't meant to be at that point in time. And when you guys came together, there was, you guys had learned so much and learned to give in, in both of your relationships. You know, I'm a huge fan of The Go-Giver. I mean, I think Bob was, might've been my first guest when the show uh, first launched almost seven years ago. The, the thing that gets me about your story is you could see the love, you can hear the love, but beyond that, there's this mutual respect for each other. And, and Anna, I know you are in uh, the field of counseling and training and speaking and all of that. You both have created schools. 
I mean, anybody who wants John's history, go back and listen to, I don't know, five or six episodes where John's been on. Anna, you, you helped create the first um, uh, oriental medicine school in Massachusetts. So you both have this drive to make the world better. When you created The Go-Giver Marriage was the idea of how do we make the world of relationships better or just marriage? Relationships. Okay. In fact, we had a dear friend. There's an echo there. Um, we had a dear friend who suggested that the book be called The Go-Giver Relationship instead of The Go-Giver Marriage. And there was a reason we wanted it to be the go-giver marriage. And that's because we feel like marriages, and especially today, now, um, that there's a lot of confusion about romance and being in love and believing that it's just going to be this ecstatic ride for the rest of your life. When in fact, you know, when we get married, we bring all our emotional background with us and that creates its own unique, uh, you know, situation. You know, all of your emotional baggage starts unpacking, and that is, you know, that brings a whole dimension to the marriage. So, we wanted it to be about marriage simply because people have been asking us for the longest time, "When are you guys going to write a book about relationships? A go-giver book about relationships and about marriage?" So this was our opportunity to sort of define our secret sauce, if you will, and be able to just put it into, put it into words and to bring forward habits and secrets, if you will, that people could actually apply to their own lives so that they could understand. And each secret, Laura, is based on developmental theory. And developmental theory, in a nutshell, says what you needed as an infant and as a child you also need as an adult. So there are these basic needs that we have, especially to be witnessed, to be seen and heard and understood. You know, these are things that are very primary for all of us. And yet they're the things that we breeze by in our, in our close relationships. Things get busy, you know, we're all working, there's kids involved, you know, that kind of situation. Families take off and you kind of lose sight of you know, taking the time to give to your partner in unique ways. Yeah, I'm going to add to that, that, you know, when when we first wrote The Go-Giver, um, the, the original book, uh, it, it was a story. It's a parable. Those of you who know the book know this. And it the, the parable suggests and, and, and touches on and hints at certain principles and ideas about how to live in the world of business. It's really about how to live in the world, period. But after that book, Bob and I felt that in, in application to business and particularly sales, it would be really helpful to readers if we stepped away from the parable format and kind of explained ourselves, like took the principles in the story and made a how-to out of it. And that's what the second book, Go-Giver, Sell More, is all about. It's like a how-to companion guide that goes with the Go-Giver. Well, in the Go-Giver, this whole idea of relationships was implicit, too. I mean, the right. whole idea of adding value to other people's lives and, and of putting other people first and living with a spirit of generosity was implicit. In fact, there's this point in the middle of the story, right, right in the heart of the book, where Joe, the hero, is with his wife, Susan. It's the only point where you see the two of them at home together. And he starts to kind of get the principle of the book. And that's the turning point, in a way, of the whole story. That was kind of the, the seed of the go-giver marriage idea. Well, I think so, it – go ahead. Well, I was going to say, when we came to this book, we actually did both books in, in one book. There's the, the first half is called The Parable. The second half is called The Practice. And it, the second half, which Anna wrote, um, takes the principles in the story, which I wrote, and unwraps them and explains, okay, here's how you actually do it in your life. Uh, here, here are the practical steps that you can take every day, simple, practical, daily steps to put these principles in, you know, in action. And, you know, we've already had people tell us that in, in a matter, it's going to sound like exaggeration, but it's not. In a matter of days, 
the tone of their whole marriage, the tone of the household, of the whole family even began to shift, began to change. It, it really is. It really is that powerful. And and I know you have courses that people can take that further this and help the families get together and you do coaching and things like that. I want to dive in before, you know, we get too far, far along, you know, it's uh, the go-giver marriage, a little story about the five secrets to lasting love. And let's just dive into a couple of the, the secrets. The, the first one I'd love to talk about because I feel like it's, it's the one that so easily gets lost, not only in how we talk about ourselves, but also in marriages. And that's appreciate. Absolutely, Laura. It's, it's so easy to look at it and say, well, of course my wife or my husband knows I appreciate them. That's ridiculous. I don't need to tell them I appreciate them. They know it. Uh, and yet that is one of the primary needs you know, when you're an infant and you're laying on the blanket and there's adults above you cooing into your face and telling you, telling you that you're the most beautiful baby ever born, you're just like, yeah, well, that need doesn't go away. You know, there's a reason people try to be social media mavens. There's a reason why people want the stage, why people want to be out there doing something significant and important because they want to be seen. They want their person, their values, the way they are in the world to be witnessed by others. That is one of our most primary needs. I mean, it's so powerful. It drives us. And so when you're in an intimate relationship, it's the thing that gets lost the quickest. When the romance and the honeymoon wears off, people stop taking the time to authentically witness their partner in ways that enrich them in ways that make them feel seen and understood. And so we really advise people take three to five times a day, but we start with three, just three simple opportunities a day to stop your, your partner and to tell them in real terms something that you appreciate and love about them. And it can be really simple. It can be, you know, when you talk to our children, I just feel really blessed that you're their daddy. You're just such a good father. And I so love watching you with them. Boom. That's it. But you know what? He walks away going, yeah, I'm doing a good job. And you know, that's something that people care about. They want to do a good job in life. They want to be seen for being good at whatever it is they're doing. You know, I mean, I've seen John, you know, stop me in my tracks in the middle of the kitchen and say, you know, something that's actually in the back of the book was it was quoted as a client thing, but it was that, you know, John never really liked salad, but I make homemade dressings and they're delicious. And so now, now he's like a salad maven now. Um, and I make all kinds of salads. And so, you know, when you have somebody tell you, it kind of drives you. Now I'm making like really unique homemade dressings because He's told me so many times how much he loves them. And so it's like, yeah, thank you. Okay, you need to post those homemade salad dressing recipes because I've seen <laughs> other recipes you've posted on social media, but never heard anything about these salad dressings till I read the book. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so appreciation is about just letting somebody know you're aware of what they do. And you, and it means something. Is that a, a good description of it? And if I can add, it's, it's, it's finding something you love about the person specifically and okay. taking a moment to tell them specifically. So it isn't like, Laura, you know, you're just a great gal. Well, terrific. That's nice. But what does that really mean? I mean, it's nice, but it's very broad. So right. now we're talking about, about taking the time to actually notice. And by the way, uh, we've frequently, I mean, many times had the experience of, of, of in teach, teaching this to somebody and say, find you know, three things that you love about your spouse and having them go, uh, and not be able to come up with something. Okay. And it's not because they don't love their spouse. It's because they haven't been in the habit of thinking about it. It's like these things we start to take for granted. When you're first in love, 
you love everything about the person. You know, how do I love thee? Let me count the ways. That poet was in right. love. You, you, you can make a list, you know, that covers the wall of the things you love about the person in those first three months, in that first year, in that first time. But life happens. Stresses impede and impinge on us. We've got kids. We've got household. We've got appliances that break down, cars that break down, jobs that break down, colleagues that break down. We've got stuff going on that, that takes our attention. So this stuff slides. We start to take it for granted. We start to assume. And you actually get out of the habit of noticing what you love. So when you sit down and say, I love you because um, it may take a moment. And you know what? That's okay. Uh, we have a client, there's a story in the book about a client who, who the only thing they could think of was, uh, he, he makes a great, it wasn't our, well, it's in the story. Wicked the lasagna. Book. Wicked lasagna, exactly. He makes a wicked lasagna. It's like, does that count? Yeah, that counts. That counts fine. It's great. You know, it's one of those things where it's like when you start, just start where you are and build from there. So what we say is three times a day, find something specific you love about your partner and take a moment to tell them. And, and that's and that's to, a key piece, right? Telling them. Don't just think about it. Take a moment to actually, tell them, which okay. is a whole other yes. thing because that can be an awkward or, or that can feel like a muscle you haven't used in a while. You know why? It is. That's okay. And I want to I want to quote somebody in the chat right now. Oh, I was Bobby Govanis. Bobby, Bobby, yeah, just said appreciation open, opens doors to the heart. And that is exactly spot on what it does. When you take the time to appreciate somebody, they just you can see in their whole posture relaxes and they go, "Oh, he likes me." You know, it's just that feeling that you have that's just so warm and so you know, it's just exactly like when you were a baby. And, you know, when you're three years old and you've just learned a couple of words and you've picked up a book and your grandmother says to you, look at you reading that book all by yourself. You know, you're like, right. you're like sit, standing up taller. It, you know, that's what appreciation does. It opens the gate to your heart. It opens everything about your relationship relationship to the other person because it was witnessing from them it's outside of yourself it allows you to receive it and when you can receive appreciation you definitely walk with a spring in your step you definitely have a, a greater sense of wholeness when you're a child that kind of appreciation helps you form who you are where, where when you're an adult it reminds you who you are. And we mm. all need to be reminded who we are. We all need to be reminded about the greatness uh, in ourselves because life has a tendency to kind of wear you down like, like beach glass, you know? That, that leads me to a question that came up when I was reading that particular secret around appreciation was this idea of if I don't see myself as somebody that is doing good things, right? I'm beating up on myself because I'm only focused internally on like what I'm not doing right, the things that I'm not able to do. Does that make it harder to exercise the muscle of seeing things you love in other people? I'm kind of curious about that aspect because I could see how in previous relationships, you know, you just start feeling so beaten down sometimes that because you can't see love for yourself, how could you possibly see it for somebody outside? So I was curious from your, both your experiences in writing this book, if you see that and what some, one of my listeners who's listen, who's watching, if they're feeling that, how they might be able to shift that for themselves to re-engage not only with their partner, but perhaps with themselves. Either <laughs> we one both of you? have something we want to say. <laughs> go, ahead, go ahead, John. I'll say something brief. Um, I'll, I'll turn your question 90 degrees. I Absolutely. will say this. When you, and it's a great question about appreciating yourself because all the secrets apply to yourself as well as to your partner. Right. When you habitually tear yourself down, when you habitually cast yourself in a negative light and fail to appreciate you when you forgot who you are 
and you keep reminding yourself of the things that you see that are that are not that are less than or, or inferior. I think you you can make it more difficult for the other person to appreciate you. If you talk about if you run yourself down, it's a lot more heavy lifting for the other person to say, no, 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 no. You're actually really a good person because they have this static they have to fight through. So, you know, there, there's that. In terms of the other side of it, I will turn this over to my prettier and wiser half. Well, I think that when you are in a track of, of self-criticism, it's also easy to be in a, crack, a track of, of external criticism. And the opposite, every secret has an opposite. And that opposite are, is the thing that really will destroy a marriage. So the opposite of appreciation is criticism. And criticism is cited as one of the number one reasons that people leave marriages. If you are with somebody who criticizes you continually, they are constantly giving you the message that you are not enough and that you don't measure up. And it's a, it's it even the little digs, and you know criticism can come in a lot of forms. A lot of people are really adept at passive aggressive criticism, where when you say, "Hey, you know that didn't feel good," they're like, "Hey, why are you reacting? I was just kidding." You know, <laughs> you know that's not funny, and and you weren't just kidding. You were being passive aggressive. So um, I think that you know, criticism takes its toll and a lot of people do it unconsciously. And what we believe is that neurologically you can either get in one track or the other. Um, and I think that when you practice appreciation for another, that it's also important to practice appreciation for yourself. Start a gratitude list that has just to do with your life. Because if you're being grateful for the fact that you have a beautiful house, or right now I'm staring at a gorgeous orchid, you know, right here next to me at my desk, you know, it's like beauty and, you know, the sunrise and, you know, start that gratitude list because it helps to turn, it helps to turn the tide. If you are somebody who is in a perpetual negative cycle of, of self-criticism and self-defeat, I would really recommend that you see a therapist because I, I feel that, and, and, you know, we wrote this book and we believe deeply in the secrets and in, in the way that this work happens in a relationship, the way that it can change the tone of a relationship, even right. with only one person practicing. But at the same time, you know, when something's going on, that's really deep, this doesn't discount going to couples therapy or going to private therapy. And when somebody has a self-esteem issue, that's that deep that they're really just on their own back all the time. Um, you know, it's, it's, the, it's your inner parent, you know, berating you still. And, you know, many, many people grew up with a parent that was really hard on them and they could never measure up for that parent. And that pattern of, of self-denial, of not giving yourself an inch, is, is usually that you're carrying that, you know, you're, you're, you've just extended it to yourself and you've found a way to, to beat yourself up continually. And, you know, I just think get with a coach or get with a counselor so that you have some reflection and get some reality and that you can start to process it. That would be my first advice. But second, um, you know, you bring up the really great point about criticism because I think that criticism really can dominate in a lot of relationships and it's, it's so easy to fall into that pattern. Um, and the way to get out of a negative pattern isn't to say, oh, I've got to stop criticizing my husband or my wife. The way to or get myself. out of, <laughs> Yes. The way to get out of a negative pattern is to replace it with the positive pattern, you know, to, to train the neurological loop, to see the beauty, to see the gratitude, to see the goodness, um, and to be able to, to express that to your partner. Which leads to another thought that I have, and I really want to thank you both for answering that question so deeply, because I just, you know, I hear this a lot from my, my own clients and friends, and, you know, I hear it internally in my head lately since all the illness and my ear stuff, and, and since my mom died, you know, but this whole idea of criticism, negative self-talk, so I want to skip a secret and go to secret number three, if we may, which is allow. 
you know, and everybody, the five secrets are in the book. You should read it. I'll just quickly tell you there are appreciate, attend, allow, believe, and grow. We're not going to deep dive into them. You need to get the book. It's totally worth it. And read the second part of the book, which is how to do it in practice. But, you know, we talked about appreciate and based on what the two of you said, let's talk about the secret of allow, because I feel like it is a so critical to moving everything in and forward. You can do appreciate, but if you don't allow, so who'd like to start on that one? Uh, shall I? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm so glad you asked that, Laura, because it's it's in a way it's the most subtle of the five secrets. Right. Um, it, it it's one that really does bear explanation because it's not immediately obvious. Also, it's it's we see that it's the one secret that tends to, or it is one secret that tends to emerge over time. Like you're appreciating from from the word go, and it's something you can implement immediately. And appreciate is just like so external and so right there between you allow tends to be the need for this secret tends to come up as 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 the relationship evolves you know in the marriage vows say for for richer for poorer for in sickness and in health for better or for worse this is the worse this is the poorer this is the sicker this is the times when we're under attack when we're under stress when things are stretched thin and, and, and we're not at our best, you know? Um, Anna spoke earlier about patterns that come from childhood. And, you know, if you had a critical father, I'll often hear her, hear her say, if you had a father who was critical and who, who you could never do enough for, you could never really please or satisfy. Um, when you get married, you tend to have a choice. You're either going to marry that person or you're going to become that person. And, um, you know, we bring these childhood patterns with us. Well, it's when times are tough. It's when we're not at our best that those things emerge. Those, those issues start to come out. So, so what's allow all about? Allow is uh, when we're in a difficult situation, our tendency is to want to control it, change it, like to make, make you be different. I, I prefer it if you would express yourself differently. I would prefer it if you would, if you would not say that, but say this instead. Um, allow means let your partner be who they are, the way they are, as they are, uh, rather than trying to control them and change them. When we're in conflict or when we're experiencing stress, we tend to project that out. It's like it's your fault. <laughs> Things are difficult right now. Why did you do that? Things are difficult. Why didn't you do something else? And allow means take responsibility for the energy you're bringing to the relationship. Okay. As opposed to trying to fix the other person. The opposite of allow, as Anna said, every secret has its opposite. The opposite of allow is control. And control is a huge issue in so many relationships. Um, You know, not just parent-child or spouse, but lots of relationships. Um, control, Control means... Yeah, I don't want you to have that reaction. It, don't tell me if you have that reaction. I, I, I don't, you know, or control means when you act anxious, it makes me uncomfortable. So don't do that. But the issue isn't what you're doing. The issue is how I'm feeling. It's my issue. T- to become an allowing person, it's kind of like the concept of grace, giving the other person mm. grace, give them the benefit of the doubt give them space to, to be able to do that, to bring that to your relationship. It takes some emotional intelligence. It takes some maturity. Um, and so I, I think it is, it is the secret that stretches you perhaps the most. And in a way it, because of that, that's where it brings its power because you grow, you become a bigger person. You become a better person. Is there a point, though, that you need to not allow certain behaviors or things like that? I'm, I'm thinking. Allow does, yeah, allow does not mean enable. Okay. All right. That, that's a great clarification. Enable. Yeah. Okay. And there's, yeah. there's no 
Go ahead on it. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I especially want to say allow is not permission. Allow is not does not mean enable, and it does not mean give bad behavior permission. Um, abuse is abuse, and if you're experiencing it, get with a counselor and get get hands on with somebody that can help you either get out and or be protected in a in real terms. So, you know, it's it's the secret that really addresses all codependent behaviors. You know, we use a phrase in the book, I love you, but, and that those are the four deadliest words in a marriage. I love you, but. I love you, but I'd love you more if you lost 20 pounds. I love you, but, you know, I wish you wouldn't talk so much when we go to parties. I love you, but I'm not in love with you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My first those, husband said that to me <laughs> four months into the marriage. <laughs> yeah. And that's about the time that the honeymoon is wearing off and people want to have that ecstatic, romantic, blissful feeling that they had when they first fell in love. And the minute it wears off, a lot of people start either looking around to find somebody else that will bring that feeling and, or they start to back away from intimacy and back away from any sense of connection because they think it's over, you know, in their mind, it is over because they don't feel that, that romance anymore. And it's like mature relationships don't do that. Um, you know, they live through and weather all kinds of things. When you talk about allow, you know, in sickness and health was a real thing for us. I broke my leg in a compound fracture and I didn't walk for a year and a half. And I couldn't get a glass of water across the room, let alone stand in the kitchen for 45 minutes making dinner. So John like took over a lot of things because there was no way I could. Right. Um, so, you know, those things will happen. Your parents will get sick. You know, things happen in the long distance of a marriage. People have miscarriages. You know, there's so many things that happen in the long term of a relationship where one or the other view is going to feel like you're checking out because you're falling apart emotionally. And those are the moments when you need somebody standing by your side, allowing you this break. But allow does not mean that you allow abuse, allow verbal abuse, physical abuse, or any other kind of abuse. Okay. And it, it doesn't mean allowing somebody to self-destruct themselves. And that's or... why... Yeah. You know, I'm going to speak to that. I'm going to speak to that for a minute because that's 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 a tricky one. Because um, I'll give you an example first, then I'll ex explain it maybe. Um, and, and that is, I was a lifelong smoker. I smoked for decades. I was a pack a day guy. Um, my mom was a smoker, pack a day gal. Wonder where I got it. Anyway, <laughs> so for years I I smoked, and when Anna and I got together. At one point, she let me know she had several relatives who died of, um, I'm trying to remember the name. It was like congestive heart failure. No, something. Oh, lung anyway. cancer. Lung cancer. Well, lung cancer. Yeah. <laughs> but there you go. But who, who uh, you know, who lived on oxygen tanks for the last miserable months of their lives. And she said, I, I just, she let me know. I don't know if I could live through that again. She never said, you need to quit. She never said, you got to stop or I'm out of here. She never gave me an ultimatum. And she never directly told me what to do or that I had to change. She just let me know how it was for her. And she didn't do that like, when you smoke, I hate it. Or the smoke really bothers me. Or it wasn't like that. It wasn't like a nag. It was like, I went through this experience that was horrific. I don't think I could do it again. I was so grateful to her because nobody could have gotten me to quit smoking. It is an addiction. People who know what an addiction is know that it's not like I'm going to just decide to quit and it's that easy. I quit. I, I had my last cigarette one July day in 1999. I never had one since. But it, was, it wasn't because she let me know she couldn't handle it. It was because she allowed me to do it myself. So, yeah. You don't want to allow someone to self-destruct, but here's the hard truth. Ultimately, that's going to be their choice, not yours. Okay. Go ahead, Anna. 
And if I could add to that, you know, the thing about the reason why we told you at the beginning that we couldn't cover five secrets is because oh, yeah. is because there's a lot of depth under each one. And we teach a workshop that's a Zoom meeting that people can sign up for on our website. And we do it every month, several times a month sometimes. And that workshop is called Living the Five Secrets to Lasting Love. And we do a deep dive into each secret because if you don't fully understand the word allow sounds like you're giving people free reign. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a hard word. And yet what we're also trying to say is allow kind of defines some differentiation, some allowing your partner to be who they are. And, uh, you know, obviously you don't want to watch somebody self-destruct, but at the same time, allow is, is, the, is the reason why you can't control that. You can let them know that it's hard for you and that you would like them to seek help. But that's, that's where the buck stops. Their life is, is theirs and they are a separate individual and you can't control them. So, you know, it's, you know, we have great advice for young marrieds or for people who are engaged and that is stay engaged for a long time. Don't rush into getting married because if there's going to be red flags on the field, you'll discover them in the years that you're engaged. But if you rush to get married really soon and move in together, uh, you know, the opportunity for things to unfold a little later is there. Right. And Bobby Gavanis, who was watching live for a while on, on LinkedIn, um, she and Gary met and married in six weeks <laughs> and they've been married. Oh my gosh, for so long, <laughs> but that's rare. And I know that's rare. My second marriage, we met and married in four months. And after his open heart surgery, things ended. It, it didn't I'd like go to put so a word well. in there. Put a word in there too, Laura. Typically, what we've seen is when people do that, when they get married like that, right? And it, and it works, which, as you say, is the rare case. Yeah. It, it, when that happens, it, typically those people had had pretty impressive self knowledge, like had a pretty good handle on who they were. 37 they, years. She just posted. Yeah, I saw that 37 right? years. I'll tell you that when Anna and I first got together, I mean the second time, right? When we first actually met, really met. Um, and, and when we did ultimately fall in love, I wanted to get married immediately. And I had been married already before. We both had been married before once. And and I, I wanted to get married right now. And it was Anna who said, no, you know, I think she said, I think we should wait, but it was very kind. What, what the truth was, I think you should wait. <laughs> uh, I needed, I needed some time to live on my own. I needed to live by myself because I had not done that as an adult. Uh, and I needed, I needed to learn a little bit more about who I was. I knew a lot about the subjects that I, that I trafficked in about my career. I knew a lot about the world around me. I didn't know that much about the world inside me. And uh, I was so grateful that we did. We waited 10 years. We were together as a couple for 10 years before we actually got married. So we've been together 25 years, but only 15 of those as, as married, as a married couple. So, um, you know, I would have been, I don't know what would have happened. You never know what would have happened. But I'll just say this. Um, there's, there's, for most people, there's a certain amount of self-discovery that would be helpful to occur before you're, you're married. And the time before you, you marry is a great time for that. Um, for those, for, for the Bobbies of this world who got married within weeks and 37 years later, they're so happy. I say, my hat's off to you. And there, and that's somebody who had a pretty good handle on who they were is my guess. It, it, it's having known them for such a long time. They are very much like the two of you, you know, they're an inspiration and just watching the two of them together they they live the five secrets to lasting love they truly do and that that's i think a relatively good seg to the one last secret that i just wanted to at least mention to get some clarification on because i know we we're getting starting to get really low on time um is the the last one of grow 
this concept, you know, we talked about appreciate, we did not talk and allow, we did not talk about attend or believe, but I'd love to just mention the idea of grow and it's both sides allowing grow. And it sounds like from what you just said, John, and what we've seen with Bobby, who's watching on, on LinkedIn, that you both allow each other to grow. And yet that seems to be something so difficult for marriages to watch somebody grow when somebody else may feel they're not. So how do you begin to implement that idea, explain what grow means as a secret to lasting love? Because it's not what we think. Well, I'd like to speak to that because it isn't about, you know, trying to get the other person to grow. That's about control still. Um, Grow is about deciding what is important to you for the development of yourself as a whole person. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I really like to, to make clear is that most people think in today's modern world that grow means that you go off and get some exciting career. Right. And it does not mean that. It does not mean that at all. In fact, I believe that true growth has to do with character development and with the the development of things that have to do with your own personal growth. Maybe, you know, you work with, you know, a, a counselor on a specific thing. That's something that you're, that you're, you need to address. Um, maybe you are attracted to being um, a nature photographer So you take online courses and other in-person courses and you go off and study with photographers and you learn more about cameras and apertures and all of those things. Maybe you really love taking on different ethnic cooking. And so you study with somebody Chinese cooking and then you study with somebody Indian cooking and, and Mexican. And you start to really gather a repertoire of delicious dishes that your family's in love with. You know, these are all avenues of creativity. To grow means to let your curiosity out of the bag, to let all of your creativity go exploring. You know, it's like in our relationship, John is multifaceted. Everybody thinks he just writes. Well, there's so much more under the hood. And, you know, for me as well, you know, I take photographs. I love to cook. Um, You know, I paint you know, there's so many different ways that you can find to grow and express yourself. The thing about growing is this. If you're not growing, then you're expecting to get your needs met by the relationship. Uh-huh. And that, that is yet another codependent feature. You know, it's like codependents can come in in so many ways. It's like, I need you to bring the world to me because I'm bored and lonely. You know, it's like when you are asking your partner to become the things that you aren't becoming yourself and and or to bring their their world to you. I've seen it in, in couples where one couple is jealous of the other person's uh, world and the other person's expression in the world. And they feel like, you know, they should have more of that or, you know, th- there's just this way in which it starts to to, to erode their own sense of growth and growing. The number one thing that's needed to keep growing is curiosity, to really just stay open to what it is that drives you and then every day give yourself some of that. I mean, John and I go for long walks every day, but when we're in Massachusetts, we go all over the place into nature because I like to shoot photographs and anybody who follows me on Facebook knows. Amazing. parade of photographs going out there because I've spent a lot of years learning photography. So I, you know, it's like, those are are things that make you more interesting. If you don't grow personally, and I'm talking personal growth, that might be emotional growth as well as creativity. If you don't grow personally, then there's not as much to bring back to the relationship. The more exactly. Yeah, the more multifaceted you are, the more that you enrich yourself, the more attractive you are. Okay, we've got an echo when, going on. When you pursue interests, you become interesting. Mm, I love that. 
I love that. And we're starting to get close on time. So I want to make sure that you both have a chance to share how people can reach out to you, get the book, maybe take the course. I know you've got some um, lives going on, some uh, free things for people who have pre-ordered the book and ordered the book. i is this the right website? I hope it is. I believe it is. GoGiverMarriage.com for those that are listening just purely on podcast and can't see John and on his beautiful faces and the website link. GoGiverMarriage.com. So talk about how they can get in touch with you. You you also certify people to teach all this wonderful material. But I think right now let's let's talk about how people can get the already best-selling book on launch day. <laughs> March 8th, International Women's Day, too. How beautiful to give this book to everybody you know as a gift. So who'd like to share? I'll do that. So, um, you know, the website is simply gogivermarriage.com. That's all one word, gogivermarriage.com. And if you go to that site, First off, you'll you'll learn a little bit more about the book. You can order the book there. There are links to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, Indigo if you're in Canada, Book Depository if you're overseas, all the links you need to buy the book. There's also a link to buy signed copies. Anna and I sat down a few days ago at our favorite local indie bookstore and signed stacks and stacks and mountains of, of, of hardcovers for you. So if you want to buy one of those, um, you can do that through our site. Um, we also have a, a few freebies. If you order the book through our site and plug in your order number, there are a few um, video masterclasses. We call them mini masterclasses that Anna and I shot from our living room couch um, that are, that are uh, free, free gifts that we offer you. One is on the mindset of lasting love, and one is on dealing with conflict. And um, the, the information on our workshop that Anna mentioned is also on the site, on the programs page. We're, we're holding them every month. Um, the next one is March 26th. And you can learn about the workshop, basically what's what's in the workshop, what the parameters of it are. It's about a two and a half hour program that we do live through Zoom. Uh, and one of those is coming up. And and I guess lastly, I'll mention, because Laura did mention this, we're starting in the fall, a, a Go-Giver Marriage Coaches training program directly train and certify other people to teach the five secrets work and to be be coaches not marriage therapists not couples therapists therapists individual coaches because we believe that when you work on a marriage you don't work on your marriage you work on yourself that's really where it, where it where it happens mm. which is an, which is another component of grow grow yourself yeah i i love that i just gogivermarriage.com, everybody, to get all that free information. It. I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't talk a little bit more about the second half of the book, which is Love is a Practice, where, John, you had mentioned that Anna wrote that portion of the book where you, you actually take it into practice. And I love this one spot here where you talk about um, one of the secrets we did not talk about, which was a 10, because there's just not enough time on the show. Plus, uh, you know, frankly, I don't want to give everything away because I want people to go buy the book. But um, examples of attending, which means ways you can find to convey your care and thoughtfulness to your partner. And here's some examples, everybody, of some stuff in the back. You might attend to their needs and wants by remembering their favorite foods like John's salad dressings, drinks, colors, showing affection, not remember not only their birthday, but parents' birthdays, other dates. And I love this one, noticing when they're blue or upset about something and asking if they're okay. Um, and then genuinely listening to their answer. So the back of the book has these wonderful ways of after you've read the amazing word smithing that is my my dear favorite author, John David Mann. And by the way, John, kudos on your first novel that Anna pushed you and believed in you and did the fourth secret of believe to get you to finally write that awesome novel with Brendan Webb. Mine is so dog-eared and I think I actually 
somebody borrowed it recently, so I have to find another copy. But um, when somebody's reading the back of that book, is there a way for them to perhaps begin implementing or doing the secrets? Is it do all five of them at once? Is it focus on one over another as they're trying to begin making some shifts? If whether they feel they have the best marriage in the world or not to begin to shift. Absolutely. That's why the back of the book is there. You know, the parable is, I think, the most parable, the most stunning parable John's ever written. And he's written some parables that are pretty amazing. Um, but I love this one and I love the fable within the parable. Um, but the back of the book was designed because there's clinical you know, there's clinical material under these secrets. These are not, these. we didn't just pull these out of a hat. Um, there's keys to what makes long distance marriage and long-term marriages stay, stay together and stay happy and stay intimate. Uh, so I think it's, it's um, you know, there's, there's a lot of opportunity if people really go and do a deep dive into the back. And that's why we created the Living the Five Secrets to Lasting Love workshop is so that people can do a deep dive and ask a lot of questions. And we go into great detail in that workshop about each secret and also about each secret's opposite because this isn't about just some Pollyanna version of how your marriage can be so rosy and wonderful. It's also about keeping tabs on the ways that you can destroy and self-destruct your marriage. Okay. And so we, we, we didn't want the book to just be a lightweight, you know, little story. We wanted it to be something that really had meaning and that had some chops underneath it in terms of the psychology and the reasons why and how to put that into practice. So that is really why the second half of the book was created. John, anything you'd like to add? No, not really. I mean, just in terms of the question you asked about, you know, do them all at once or do them one at a time, that's definitely an individual choice. But frankly, I think that most people will find it's easier to grab one secret, practice that for a week, then grab, or, or maybe two weeks, then, then, then grab another, practice that. I mean, kind of approach them one at a time. Um, the idea of it is like with any practice, you work on it methodically until it starts to become second nature. That's how I learned to play the cello. That's how Anna learned modern dance. That's how people learn a new language. That's how you learn a new posture. And that's exactly what this is. So it's just a question of practicing. You may need to make yourself reminders, like written down on your phone or your notebook or whatever, or on your desk or sticky notes. Find something three times a day I love about her and tell them, take a moment to tell her. Right? Write it down, stick it on your desk and, or in your bathroom mirror or whatever. So it's, it's a practice. The idea is to do that until it starts to become second nature. As it does, pick up another practice, pick up the second habit, the third habit, the fourth habit, the fifth habit. And you'll, and you'll start, you'll find some resonate more because they've been more missing in your life. That's awesome. And, so it's, it's and also, if I may add to that, uh, we have groups in the Midwest that we've already been doing some mini workshops for. Um, about living the five secrets. And what's been great is that this was a church community and um, the men in the men's group are actually texting each other daily and holding each other accountable. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, feel free to take on an accountability coach who's also read the book and who loves the idea of practicing to keep yourself on track. Um, they, you know, they're sending notes to each other saying, hey, have you appreciated your bride today? And it's just, they say it just lights them up because they, they have to write back and say, yeah, twice already. What, how about you? you know? right. So it, it's just, you know, each, each secret has its own joy, if you will, in keeping the marriage vibrant and alive. And that's one of our goals. This really is our love letter to the world. It was our opportunity to say, you know, it doesn't have to be something you overthink. There's a lot of ways to add value to your spouse's life and to be somebody who that they, they treasure because of it. Mm. I think that's a perfect note to end the show on. And I want to thank you both for being here. And I'm so glad I have the two of you together. It means 
so means the world to me to have you both here today on your launch day of your already best-selling book, The Go-Giver Marriage, A Little Story About the Five Secrets to Lasting Love. You guys are just so amazing, and thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Laura. It's a treat to, to, to do this. Next book, we'll see you again. Oh, absolutely. I know we've got another <laughs> novel coming out and other things, but for right now, The Go-Giver Marriage. Um, so thank you both for being here. And everybody, you can pick up The Go-Giver Marriage wherever books are sold, uh, your favorite indie bookstore, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Powell's, wherever you want to get your book, go to thegogivermarriage.com. And, you know, there's lots of free resources up there and information with the links to the workshops that the, John and Anna mentioned. And I want to just remind everybody that whether you're married or not, these lessons really, as we've talked about, apply to yourself as well. What my goal is, what my plan is, not even a goal, what my plan is, I am going to be working these for myself over the next several months. I'm going to be taking each one of the five secrets, appreciate, attend, allow, believe, and grow, and I'm going to apply them to myself to help me so that my relationship with myself improves. So whether you're single or you're married, these all apply. Thank you, everybody, for being here with me. I hope you have an amazing day and that you appreciate yourself and your loved ones. And don't just keep it a secret. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.